Today we start our journey through the Divine Comedy, and today I have some thoughts on the first three cantos of this journey. Dante, in the start, finds himself in a dark wood. He's stopped by various monsters from progressing spiritually, these monsters representing different sorts of sins. And he's, he's pretty despondent. He's stuck in this dark wood. He can't climb the mountain he wants to climb. He can't head towards heaven. This book's an allegorical spiritual autobiography. And Dante punctually admits in the first cantos that he was lost, probably not in the state of grace, off the true path, helpless. And from that state, how does he progress? Well, on his own, he can't do anything. And that's largely the point of the first canto. On his own, he is helpless. But heaven, spurned, uh, or spurred rather, by uh, spurred on by the Blessed Virgin Mary, sends Dante aid. And this aid, uh, Dante learns, will require, amongst other things, a tour of hell. And very soon, we get that famed inscription on the gateway to hell. It's so iconic, it would be sad not to quote it here. But Dante is told you're going to go on this journey. It's going to be how you get out of this dark wood, how you ultimately get to heaven. And, you know, first part of that journey is he has to journey through through hell itself. And over the gateway of hell, there's this inscription that opens up Canto 3. I am the way into the city of woe. I am the way into eternal pain. I am the way to go among the lost. Justice caused my high architect to move. Divine omnipotence created me, the highest wisdom and the primal love. Before me there were no created things, but those that last forever, as do I. Abandon all hope, you who enter here. If you think God would never do this, meaning never, you know, take a poor sinner or take someone who's going to go on a spiritual journey, rather, and... You know, first thing first, you know, have the spirit send him, you know, towards, you know, some sort of tour of hell. Keep in mind that that's how the gospel opens. Jesus is baptized. Jesus himself is without sin, but in being baptized, he is kind of taking on our spiritual journey, counting himself amongst the sinful. And the spirit sends him to confront Satan first thing out. And this pattern is as old as the Old Testament. If we go back to the very start of the Old Testament, to Genesis, you know, Jacob is alone by himself near the end of the night, uh, as I read it, but still, you know, it's dark out, you know, the sun has not risen yet, and his spiritual journey, you know, God wants to send him grace. How does this grace come about? He, Jacob, uh, reading from the Bible now, remained alone. And behold, a man wrestled him till morning. And when he saw he could not overcome him, he, the attacker, touched the sinew of Jacob's thigh, and forthwith it shrank. And he said to him, Let me go, for it is break of day. So, the, the, uh, cutting in here, the day comes after he breaks his thigh. And Jacob answers, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said, what is thy name? He answered, Jacob. But he said, Thy name shall not be called Jacob, but Israel. For if thou hast been, for if thou hast been strong against God, 
How much more shalt thou prevail against men? Jacob asked him, Tell me, by what name art thou called? He answered, Why dost thou, a why dost thou ask my name? And he blessed him in the same place. And, and Jacob called the name of the place Phanuel, saying, I have seen God face to face, and my soul has been spared. I'm sure you've, if you've been growing up in feel-good Christianity, you've heard the saying that Jesus met the sinner where they are at and led them to where they need to be. Just keep in mind that sometimes the first thing he does when he gets there is straight-up jump the person. Like, listen, sinner, we're going to catch you outside, how about that? And bam, we in a fight. <laughs> you know, um, in both Dante's journey and Jacob's journey, the sinner is alone, he faces adversity, even arguably hostile adversity. In Dante's case, the demons in hell are going to try everything to impede Dante's journey, and the sheer reality of hell's existence is assaulting Dante. And Dante uh, is overwhelmed by what he sees and passes out. And so we've gone, in Dante's case, from lost in the wood, lost in the wood, that's our starting point, to unconscious, helpless in hell, in Charon's boat, Charon being the figure in Greek mythology that ferries the souls to the netherworld. Unconscious, helpless in hell, in a boat, the boat is going into the netherworld, the exact opposite direction of heaven, it would seem. I mean, it seems we've gone from, from bad to worse, and Jacob, you know, in his spiritual journeys, now has this injury on his leg. Imagine going on a spiritual journey, and the first thing God does is break your leg, <laughs> or, you know, or the sinew of your leg. I think these cantos from the Divine Comedy, along with the scene from Genesis, and this pattern appears elsewhere, too, in the book of Exodus. You know, we can't just immediately liberate the Jews, the Jewish people from, from, from Egypt. We're going to first, first Pharaoh is going to make things harder, and there's going to be plagues. You know, there's going to be yeah, there's going to be some kind of struggle first, before, you know, that final liberation. And Jesus, of course, is led by the Spirit itself into the desert to face the devil. I think we American Christians have pacified grace. You know, we think grace is the sweet, sweet love of Jesus. It shines in your soul, and your eyes are open. You see the light. Angels sing on high. And we have forgotten that sometimes grace is when God jumps us. Why would woundings, exiles to Egypt in the case of Exodus, aloneness in the desert, why would all these things be part of God's plan? I think in part the wounded leg helps us understand that we are not moving under our own power. To understand grace, to accept grace, we need to understand how limited our own ability to move is. Dante had to fail to climb towards heaven before he could realize that he was in need of grace. And we need to truly understand that in order to accept grace. And also, if you're moving in the wrong direction, I suppose having a wounded leg ensures that if you go in the wrong direction, at least you are going to move a bit slower. You know, sometimes that's what God needs to do. He's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to move in the wrong direction slower first. <laughs> and 
I think also God wants to show us what is at stake. Now, sometimes when we try to the sell Christianity to people, and and I actually think, and I didn't, you know, the word that word sell, I think actually has more meaning than, you know, than I first thought when I thought of it. You know, when we try to to market Christianity the way, uh, you know, the PlayStation company tries to market PS5s or whatever, you know, we kind of try to talk about how great it is, how wonderful it is, and but don't mention any of the stuff that's kind of harder to understand, you know, we'll put that stuff in the back, we'll bring it up later, you know, just talk about how you can engage in some sort of self-improvement, how it's helps us navigate our modern day problems, you know, get a social media account, you know, um, you know, we try to be modern, and when we do that, you know, we're not following the pattern that grace itself follows, grace reaches people when they are able to realize that I'm in a dark wood, I am at the end of my rope, uh, and I need help. Jacob, in his case, he has betrayed his brother prior to this scene, and he is very aware that his brother may not forgive him. He's separating his, prior to the, the scene I read, he's separating his his band of, of people that's with him into different groups so that if his brother attacks in revenge, they won't all be attacked at once, most likely. So I think, you know, God lets us get into these situations because he wants us to know what's at stake. He wants us to understand, you know, that he has put two choices before before us, life and prosperity, death and row, to whichever you pick, stretch out your hand. And part of grace, grace's job is to help us face what is at stake. And part of the reason why we have to do that is while grace can invade our lives, while God can jump us, as it were, while in the middle of the dark wood, Dante can get this message about how God wants him to get out of this dark wood, while, while God can invade, we do ultimately in the end have to cooperate with it. You know, Jacob prevails against God in this passage. And I and that's not to imply that God is not all-powerful, but God is going to act within the boundaries of our free will and in the boundaries of what we are going to choose and accept. And later on in the Divine Comedy, uh, Dante explores this situation as well. Dante, early on, says to Virgil, Virgil being the one who's his first tour guide on his spiritual journey, Teacher, if you please, let me know of these people and of what law makes them appear so eager to cross over. Cross over into hell, that is. It's an interesting way to describe the damned on, on their way to their final damnation as, as eager. And eventually Virgil says, My son, referring to Dante, all souls that die beneath the wrath of God from every nation here collect in one, and they are prompt to cross the river, for divine justice so goads and spurs them on, that what they fear turns into their desire. Divine justice turns the dam's dread into desire. Many ideas of what this could mean, one possibility is that heaven would be more intolerable, for one who rejects God than, than hell itself is, and so the damned are at least partially self-segregating to where they 
have chosen to belong. Another idea is that this passage in the comedy hints at free will. The souls have of their own free will chosen sin, and in doing so they have chosen their outcome. Thus, having chosen in the past life, divine justice goads them to choose hell in the life thereafter. And regardless of which interpretation you pick, I think it again brings us to this place that grace has the hard job of making clear to us what we are choosing. It will illuminate parts of ourselves we don't like, and facing this darkness will help us understand the light. Jacob is in his dark solitude after betraying his brother. This, that sin is precisely what will lead him afterwards, after that section we read to understand grace. And let's, let's explore that section. And Jacob, lifting up his eyes, saw Esau, his brother, coming, and with him 400 men. And Esau ran to meet his brother and embraced him, clasping him fast around the neck and kissing him, wept. And lifting up his eyes, he saw the woman and their children and said, What mean these? And do they belong to thee? He answered, They are the children which God hath given to me thy servant. Then the handmaids of the handmaids and their children came near and bowed themselves. Leah also with her children came near and bowed down in like manner, and last of all Joseph and Rachel bowed down. And Esau said, What are the droves that I met? And he, and uh, Jacob now Israel answers, that I may find favor before my Lord. And he said, I have plenty, my brother, keep what is thine for thyself. And Jacob said, Do not do not so I beseech thee, but if I have found favor in thy eyes, receive a little present at my hands, for I have seen thy face as if I should have seen the countenance of God. Both the sudden attack in the desert and the ultimate forgiveness of his brother are described as having seen the countenance of God. It is only when we accept that, like Dante, accept that fact that both the difficult and the, you know, the, the happy ending are, are part of how we see the face of God. It's only when we accept that, like, that we will be able to go on the adventure of grace. God shines light into our soul, but if your eyes are acclimated to the darkness, it may hurt at first. And if all you've ever known is the darkness, you may at first be surprised at how dark the darkness is. We mentioned that Dante collapsed in in Karen's boat after you know he's seeing these souls go into hell. He's seeing you know this this you know gate with a, this inscription, and, and he, he eventually it's it's all too much, and he, he passes out. And in hell, he is facing sin, which is active in our world, but we are not fully aware of the depth of our sin. We, we aren't aware of how dark the darkness is. We're so used to it. We're so acclimated to it. We're so happy to, to play in the mud and we, we, and we think that our, our sins are making us happy or if at the very least, you know, if they're bad, they're not that bad. Uh, but grace has to shine into our lives and show us how dark the darkness is first. And if we push through that dark night... As Dante does, he is going to be woken up from his passing out. It won't be the last time he passes out on this journey. And Jacob, you know, uh, pushed through on his journey. 
you know, but if we, like these spiritual mentors before us, push through that dark night, we will eventually see the grace of God. And it's worth mentioning that the title of this book is The Divine Comedy. Comedy meaning that it has a happy ending, not, you know, that it's goofy and, and funny, but it's a, it's a comedia. It's, it, it has a happy ending. And I think what Christianity is good at is that it's, it uh, gives us the strength to carry our crosses, to face our journeys through hell or hell on earth or, you know, that those wrestling with the reality of sin, those tough, difficult questions. But we are going to eventually hit that, that comedy. And so I thank you all for coming on this journey with me. I hope you enjoy it. And I'll have another episode up soon.